Okay, good morning everyone. Uh, we're continuing on in our, in our scripture reading. To Genesis chapter 44. Uh, just to uh, uh, let you know that the uh, facility is having an event this week. So we do have to be out of here a little earlier than usual uh, for this week. And so uh, I think we can still end around 8, uh, but the post-prayer time uh, will probably have to be cut short. Um, so I just want to let you guys know in advance. Um, so I'll try to read as fast as I can and talk as fast as I can. Okay, Genesis 44. Uh, then he commanded his house steward, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food and as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his money uh, for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. As soon as it was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys. They had gone, just gone out of the city and were not far off. <clears throat> when Joseph said to his house steward, Up, follow the man, the man. And when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? You have not done wrong. Have you not? You have done wrong in doing this. So he overtook them and spoke these words to them. They said to them, Why does my Lord speak such words of these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money of which we found in the mouth of the sack we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever your servants is that is found, let, them, let him die, and we also will be my Lord's slaves. So he said, Now let it be also according to your words. He with whom it is found... Am I, am I reading like King James or something? Or is this... This is NASB? <clears throat> okay, sorry. <clears throat> he with whom it is found shall be my slave, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then they hurried, and each man lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. He searched beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and when each man looked, loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. And they fell to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this deed that you have done? Do you not know that such a thing as, uh, such, a, such a man as I can indeed practice divination? So Judah said, What can we say to my Lord? Uh, what can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? Uh, God has found out that the iniquity of our servants, uh, of, our, of your servants, behold, we are in, in the Lord's slaves, but we have the one in whose possession the cup has been found. But he said, Far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah approached him and said, O oh my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? We said to my, to my Lord, We have a, an old father and a little child of his, child of his old age. Now his brother is dead, so alone is, is left of his mother, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. But we said to my lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, however, unless your youngest brother comes, and he basically goes on and says, Unless he comes, uh, then, then Simeon wouldn't be released. <clears throat> we go down, and then uh, verse 33, Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, uh, a slave to my lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. And then this is uh, basically uh, when Joseph sees that uh, Judah is willing to pay the price or to give his own life 
in place of his younger brother, um, this is when then uh, uh, Joseph basically breaks down. In verse 33 uh, that we just read, please let your servant remain instead of the lad. Okay, I'm going to try to quick read through Genesis 45 as well, because we covered most of 44 yesterday. <clears throat> then Joseph could not control himself. So it's at this moment where everything that has happened culminates and, and, and this, this is a moment where Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood before him and he cried, have everyone go out for me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. So there's an unveiling. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a revealing. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of the Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer and he said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life for the famine has been in the land these two years and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now therefore it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his household and ruler of all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says Joseph, uh, your son, God has made me lord of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and the flocks of your herds and all you have. There I will also provide for you for there are still five years of famine to come and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Behold your eyes see and your eyes sees the, and the eyes of my brother's Benjamin see that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now you must tell my father of all, the splend all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them and afterward his brothers talked with him. Now when the news, uh, when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brother had come, he could please Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your peace, and go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household to come to me, and I'll give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the, uh, the fat of the land. Now you are ordered to do, uh, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Do not concern yourselves with your goods, the beasts of all, all the land of Egypt is yours, the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel said, did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he, uh, he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. To his father he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with best things of Egypt, and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed, and he said to them, Do not quarrel on the journey. Then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe them. When they told him of all the words Joseph, that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of the father of Jacob revived. Then Israel said, It is another. It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. And so you see this uh, emotional counter where, where Joseph breaks down and he can't reveal it. 
it's almost as if he's been, he's been wanting them to know it's him. It's almost as if he's been waiting to, to lavish them with gifts. Um, he wants relationship with them. He wants to reveal the fullness of his glory to his brothers. He wants to bless them and, and, and show them everything is okay. But here's, here's the bottom line. He's not sure until this point if they would really want relationship with him. Does, does that make sense? He's not sure if, if they're just going to fake it. Right? Because they obviously, when in faith God said you're going to be blessed, that obviously meant nothing to them. And they didn't care anything for the relationship. So God was going to bless him. He was going to have favor. They didn't care anything for that. So they sold him. They wanted to kill him. And so, oh, how convenient. Now that you're number two in charge and you have all these provisions and all these resources, of course his brothers would, would, would uh, lavish him and kiss his feet and, and do everything. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, you would put on a front that, that he means everything to you. And so, so Joseph can't, uh, you know, there's, there's multiple layers here, but why would he, you know, reveal himself and, and bless the family uh, uh, you know, if, if the brothers might just take advantage, if at a later age, and it's, you know, uh, this, this, things like this happen all the time. You know, NFL stars or sports stars in America, uh, uh, you know, make multi-million dollar contracts. A lot of these people are really young, and, and then all of a sudden, family and cousins and uncles start knocking on doors for loans and things like that, and, and people, are, you know, are, are putting up a front, a facade. And so I think Joseph, being wise, wants to see if there's genuine uh, uh, you know, repentance and, and whatnot. And if there's genuine repentance and if there's genuine uh, 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 you know, remorse, then they can rebuild this relationship. Um, and I think that this gives us a snapshot to a degree in our relationship with God. You know, a, a, a child and a parent relationship. Uh, we can go to God oftentimes if we're not careful and, and we can say the right things and, hey, I heard this prayer works over here, so I'll pray this prayer. I heard this service works over here, so I'll serve. And uh, I think ultimately what God desires is that we would see Him for relationship. That we would see Him for who He is and not for what He can give. And so oftentimes, and I'm not saying it's always the case, but if you've been contending and if you've been praying for something and it has yet to come, and, and I'll just speak of myself, then I will, I will test myself and I will test my own character. And I, and, and I would ask questions like, well, it, it, you know, uh, uh, here's a simple, you know, would I be at peace and would I be okay even if I didn't receive this? So even if I didn't get married, God, uh, uh, I still trust in you and I'll follow you. Even if I never had a child, God, I trust in you and I'll follow you. Even if I don't get this promotion, even if I don't get this job, even if... And so can, you, can we say, um, God, I'm praying for this and, and I desperately desire it, but even if you don't... I totally believe you can and in faith I'll pray for it, I'll contend for it, whether it's for myself or someone else, but even if you don't answer it, God, I will trust in you. And I realized that, that that is a very difficult prayer. Not too long ago, I prayed with someone, uh, um, having met with this individual for a hand, no, nobody here, you know, for a handful of times. Uh, uh, and, and, and at least in my spirit, it became very clear, or I sensed at least that, 
that God or Christ was not at the center of his or her life, that it, was, it wasn't at the top priority. Uh, after a few meetings and a handful, you know, over or, or, you know, six months or so, I, I, I kind of figured out what I believed what, what was his uh, or her uh, issue. And um, I said, you know, can you trust in God even if this doesn't? And, and, and I led the individual in prayer and, and, and couldn't say the prayer. Couldn't say to God, even if God, you don't provide or supply this in my life, I will, I will still be at peace. I will still follow you. I, I will still trust you. Um, and to me, it was a shock that if you could be aware that there was something blatantly in front of you that was hindering. To me, I, I, it was just hard for me to fathom. But, but then I realized that, no, for a lot of people, it is, it's actually a struggle. Um, and, and I realized that for a lot of people, uh, um, God is, is simply, if, if we're not honest with ourselves, a vending machine, an ATM. We simply go to God for what he can give us if we're, if we're perfectly honest. Um, and I think, I think his brothers potentially you know, are in a position to do the same. Why doesn't Joseph reveal himself? Yes, one, he wants to see that they're repentant. He wants to see that there's a relationship. Um, but at the same time, uh, uh, you know, the, the possibility of his position and his authority. Um, yeah, who knows that the brothers might just not just put up a front and act like they're repentant and act like they're sorrowful, but really not simply to get what they want. Um, verse 4, Joseph then goes on to say, please come closer to me. And so you see here that it, it is in fact the desire for him to uncover. He's been wanting to reveal himself. He actually wants to draw them closer. Um, but before he can reveal himself, before he can lavish them with gifts, they must be repentant. There must be a change of heart. And, and this is a picture of our relationship with the Lord. The Lord greatly desires to draw near to you, for you to draw near to you. The, the Lord greatly desires for Him to unveil and, and to reveal Himself to you in a supernatural and personal, intimate way. The, the Lord greatly desires to lavish you with gifts. But let me tell you what God's concern is. Let me tell you what God's concern is in His heart when He's about to lavish or not lavish you with a gift. Here, here's the concern. The concern is simply this, that if God would overwhelmingly bless you, lavish you with all the things you ask for, the concern of God is this, is that you would take those things and run away. That you would take those very things you've been, you've been contending and asking, uh, and then that you would, you would uh, leave Him behind. Does that make sense? Right? And so it's actually God's grace Sometimes when he withholds so that you would draw near to him and then he can draw near to you and then he can give you revelation and really secure that relationship and then bless you. And when he blesses you, when he actually answers the prayers you've been contending for, the first thing you would say is praise you, Lord Jesus. All that I have is from you. All that I have is to be a blessing. And then you would follow him closely and then the Lord would, it would be perpetual. He would continue to bless. Um, you know, how, how many times uh, uh, all throughout the scriptures... Right? This is not just our narrative but, or, or just uh, humanity in, 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 by nature. But all through the scriptures, God would bless Israel through a certain individual, through a certain family. And then a couple generations would, would go by and the children would totally forget. Uh, and then they would be distant from God and then God would have to appoint someone, a judge or a prophet. 
And so you just see this cycle over and over again. It's almost like it's just, it's just nature. This is just how the process has to go. And so there's a part of me that just says simply, how do we walk through this type of predicament? It's just we have to continually seek to humble ourselves. No matter what stage you are or where you think you are in your relationship with God, post-harvest, uh, uh, in the valley, I think uh, uh, the, 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 the practice, the spiritual discipline of, of our own will and volition, humbling ourselves before God, will constantly keep us in His presence, will constantly keep uh, the intimacy, and then I think God will constantly bless so whatever opportunity you get to humble yourself, to give praise to God and give thanksgiving, an offering, a giving, a service, uh, uh, an act of worship. Uh, and so Joseph wants them to come close. They want him to see his face. They want, yeah, he wants them to see his tears. Um, and so you see the heart of Joseph that he has been longing for a long time greatly for them to draw near. Um, but there was repentance and reconciliation. So this is... This is where it's happening. This is where it's at. Uh, the, all the success and all the pomp and, and facade and status, man, doesn't mean anything when it comes down to your family. I, I mentioned to you guys, we, uh, the staff got together. We talked about in the past 10 years, uh, what were some of the regrets. And not a single person mentioned anything remotely close to material. Nobody said, I wish I got that position, or I wish I made that investment, or I wish I, you know, surely, I, I know their stories. I, I know that there are financial and, and, and things and, and, you know, constraints or whatever, or, or invest, you know, investments or things that they couldn't, I, I, all of us, all of us have decisions that, you know, but, but when it came down to what's the one or two things you regretted, it, it, it all surrounded around relationships. I wish I had done more in this relationship. I, I wish I had done more in that relationship. And so Joseph is, is basically showing us here that, it was the relationships in his life that were really holding him down. And now it's the relationships in his life that are really uplifting or, or releasing him or freeing him. Verse 5. Joseph says to his brother, uh, how do you know that you've forgiven someone? Right? Uh, people has grieved us. Uh, uh, we take offense at someone. Um, I, I think the closer you are to the person or the more you care for the person, it's an ongoing thing. You've forgiven the person once and for all, but, uh, um, and, and I kind of encourage you guys um, not to say, oh, I have to forgive him again, right? Because I, I go through that cycle. Oh, yeah, I, I have to forgive this person again. Oh, I have to forgive that person. I have to forgive my wife again. Or my, my wife has to forgive me again, has to forgive me again uh, uh, for, for you know event in the past. You can simply say, oh, yeah, I've already forgiven them. So instead of forgiving over and over again, it's I've already forgiven them. Uh, I've forgiven them once, but I have to be reminded that I've already forgiven them. Uh, how do you know that you've truly forgiven someone? Um, verse 5, now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Um, you, you see the person's shame or guilt or anguish, uh, and you want to relieve them of that shame, guilt, or anguish, knowing that you have received mercy, and so you want them also to share in that same mercy. Uh, and this is really the heart of forgiveness. Uh, when you see the person is genuinely sorrowful and repentant for their actions, um, and we don't want them to wallow or to live in that uh, 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 kind of weight of shame. Um, 
I think this is the battle for many of us. I really do. I think that many of us walk around feeling the weight and the shame of sin. And I think the devil just loves to take that blanket and just keep you know, throwing layers and layers until we get hunched down. And, and we have to be reminded. This, this story that I'm sharing with you over the past couple of weeks, you know, as it culminates and closes, is, is not a... It, in one aspect, it is, hey, be like Joseph. You know, no matter your success, I'm telling you scripturally, God is speaking to you. No matter, you cannot cover up your family pain with uh, a, a thousand successes. You cannot cover up your past well, with your children. It, you cannot uh, cover up the, the vacancies and the brokenness in your heart, uh, uh, you know, by the status in your, in your job or in your community or in your church. That, it doesn't work. Um, and so in one aspect... Uh, uh, yeah, be like Joseph, reconcile. You know, God wants to heal your family. Be gracious, be merciful. If God has blessed you, know that God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to those around you. Absolutely. But the real message here in the gospel is ultimately is that Jesus is our Joseph. Jesus is the one that was slow, uh, uh, sold into or, or put into the pit, was crucified. And we were separated because of our sin, because of our jealousy, because of our content. Uh, you know, a man as a whole in sin nature crucified him, and 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 then he was resurrected and put into the uh, 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 you know the name above every name above every kingdom, uh, King of Kings, and now we go to him and and the Lord gives us mercy, and so let there be no weight of shame or sin because God has forgiven you. The Lord has forgiven you, and He's a brother that wants you to come back home. And He wants to bless you. And He wants to see you face to face. He greatly desires to fellowship with you. To dine with you. To be face to face. Um, But I do believe that our hearts need to be in the right place. In in, in confession. In repentance. And I do believe that this is is ongoing submission. Uh, Joseph says here. uh, Just incredible faith. He says it three times. Within these verses, he says, uh, Now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves. And he's kind of letting them off the hook. Uh, They're certainly responsible for their actions. And there was a time where Joseph would have held them to their actions. But Joseph says something incredible here, which all of us uh, uh, need to subscribe to, that no matter your most difficult situations in life, And Joseph says, For God sent me before you to preserve life. You meant harm for me, but God ultimately meant good. Verse 7, again, that was verse 5. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep alive by a great deliverance. Joseph had faith that God would bring deliverance and would bring life. And so he absolutely believed not in that moment, but in, now he sees the full picture, and, and he absolutely believed that God has a reason. And he continues on, again, he says it a third time, God sent me, God, God sent you here, or God, God you know, allowed you to do certain things, or to fall into sin. And so God had an ultimate plan, and a big picture. And so whatever situation, whatever pit, whatever struggle, whatever hardship you're in, and in the moment it's so hard to see it, 
but to believe because of the resurrected Christ, because Jesus is alive, because he defeated death, because he defeated sin, because he lives in us, to give God the benefit of the doubt, to trust that God has an ultimate purpose, even in the midst of tears and, and, and bitterness and anguish, to still bow down and say, Lord, because you died for me, and because you resurrected from the dead, all my hope is in you. Amen. All our hope is in Jesus. And then he falls on his uh, brother's neck, Benjamin. They're reconciled, they're restored. Uh, the father comes, they're coming. They're going to live together in Egypt. Um, one of the scholars says, uh, biblical scholars will say that um, if they had stayed in Canaan, uh, uh, outside of the famine because of comfort and culture they may have assimilated and intermarried and then therefore uh, uh, lost their distinctiveness for which the Messiah would come through. In Egypt in that context during the famine at least uh, because it was so deplorable for each Egyptians to uh, 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 eat or, or uh, adopt anything foreign because they, they thought they were superior um, that by coming to Egypt, they would actually remain uh, uh, homogenous, and at the same time, they would uh, excel and grow. Um, at some point, through Joseph's wisdom, uh, Pharaoh and then his family uh, get incredible blessings, incredible lands and animals, and I mean, Joseph just brings an incredible amount of favor to the land of Egypt. Um, and then as a result, uh, the people of Israel the, the family of, uh, of Jacob and his sons uh, just begin to expand and expand and expand and grow. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in the coming days. Um, but Pharaoh recognizes, even though he doesn't worship God, even though he doesn't necessarily believe in God or subscribe, he recognizes the anointing of Joseph and his God over him. So much so that when Joseph wants to bring his family, he says, sure enough, and he, and he blesses um, I think in the marketplace that this is very applicable. I think in the marketplace that you don't have to cut corners, that you don't have to uh, industry standard or practice, that you could, in fact, before God, not cut corners, not do what everyone else does, even be demoted, and, and your boss would allow, your, your God would allow your boss to see the favor that you have in whatever tasks you're given, and that God himself would promote you. I absolutely believe this is applicable to every Christian, every believer in the marketplace, that you should answer to God and to God alone, to his precepts and his truth and his righteousness. And even if a man in your industry were, or a woman were to demote you, that God himself would see your heart and your righteousness and that he would promote you. Uh, uh, it won't take long before uh, uh, someone who doesn't subscribe to God or in the secular place or in positions of, uh, of authority would see the favor that you have, the genuineness, the honesty, uh, 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 the right heart, uh, uh, the right dealings with people, treating people the same, whether in front of people with authority or treating people the same even when they're under you and, and not around people with authority. I mean, that stuff will, will ooze out. That stuff will communicate and God will absolutely bless you. Amen? Amen. And we see that as fact and proof scripturally in the scriptures. If you have the favor of God, you will have the favor of man. Okay? If you seek the favor of man, you may lose the favor of God. Amen? Let's bow our heads.
then as the worship team comes up, the Lord has greatly desired to meet with you, to draw near to you, to reveal himself to you, to weep with you, for you to see his face, and then he wants to lavish you. This morning, ask yourself this question. If, if you were God, right? What, what is the Father thinking? If you could for a moment think, why wouldn't the Father lavish you or bless you uh, with this particular blessing that you've been asking? It's like holding your breath and you feel like you're dying. Why would God, Father God, withhold? Is there, is there anything, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Is there anything in our hearts or attitudes or, or our viewpoint of God that is, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong, or it's, but just slightly off kilter. And I, and I just want to invite you before the Lord. You know, if you can say this prayer for whatever you're praying, Lord, I trust and I believe that you can answer and I will certainly contend but God, even if you did not allow me to, and then you fill in the blank, God, I will still worship you. And I will still submit my life to you. And I will follow you all the days of my life. If you can't say that, then ask yourself what it is that you think God is waiting on you for. Whereas we think we're waiting on God, but actually God is waiting on you. There is nothing our God will not release to the man or woman that is fully contrite and puts him first above all things. So that's a two or three good soul-searching questions for you to deal with today and this week. God, even if I didn't attain to this item. I will still follow you all the days of my life. And I will still have peace because you are God. Because you are good. And because you have a greater plan and a greater purpose. And I will trust in the resurrected, risen Christ that lives in me. Spend a few moments before the Lord, and after a minute, I'll ask the worship team to lead us.